This is Shannon Morgan, and you are listening to Episode 4 of Sound Mind, a place to openly discuss the struggles in our minds, including mental health, trauma, addiction, and more. I'm not a counselor, and this podcast is not meant to replace professional therapy, more like somewhere you can go to find connection and learn how other people's experiences can aid in your own journey. Speaking of which, I work in the field of behavioral health as a peer and youth support specialist. Working with both adults and children, I share my lived experience with mental illness, trauma, and addiction in order to connect with clients and help them see that they are not alone. Helping them to share their story, set goals, build hope, and live more self-directed, purpose-filled lives. And that is the spirit I'm bringing to the show. The website for Sound Mind is soundmindpodcast.com. There you will find links to social networks, learn more about guests, and you can leave comments or send an email. And I would love to hear from you, especially if you'd like to be a guest on the show or you have a reaction to an episode. Now, on to today's guest. Landon Mon is an artist, musician, and short filmmaker who grew up in Salt Lake City and currently resides in Boise, Idaho. From a young age, he's been passionate about creating and spends most of his free time painting or playing music. He's the father of two children, he works in IT, and has been a professional musician in the Treasure Valley for almost two decades. Landon was diagnosed with both depression and anxiety seven years ago. After a lifetime of trying to find balance alone, he now copes using support groups, therapy, social media, and above all, creating. Now, let's meet Landon. How are you doing tonight? Doing all right. You know, like I said, my plans fell through, so I'm just kind of winging it. And it's good we could uh, try this again. I know. I'm so excited. Yeah. Let's get to it. All right. Let's do it. All right. I'm going to ask about your childhood. What was your childhood like? Um, Well, I was born and grew up mostly in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, had a kind of just a typical, you know, suburban Mormon childhood there and, um, two older sisters and mom and dad got divorced when I was like eight or nine and things kind of changed then, but they both got remarried and dad moved around. So I spent a lot of summers wherever he was at and, uh, yeah, just kind of a typical childhood in that, in that, uh, way. Sounds like fun traveling to meet dad where he is. Yeah, he was all over the West Coast, lived in Hawaii for a little while. So I got to spend a summer there and it was just pretty cool going to different places. And I mean, it kind of sucked not seeing him throughout the year, but about once every year or two, I'd go wherever he was at for a summer. So. Yeah, and that was pretty typical when we were young for yeah. when parents got divorced that the mom got the kid the most of the time. Well, I got divorced and we got 50-50 right down the middle. Yeah, it was a, you know, when I was really young, it was, I didn't know any other kids that whose parents were divorced, but as I got a little bit older, it seemed to be a little bit more common, so. Yeah, nowadays, it seems like everybody's had multiple, well, I've only had one marriage. I I failed to acquire a second one so far. Yeah, well, same here. I've had one marriage too, and I have a daughter that I'm, you know, and I co-parent with her mom, and that works out well. But that seems to just be kind of the way things are these days. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, very many totally people normal. are still together, right? I was asking my kids about this the other day. I was like, "Are any of your parents, are your friends' parents, still married and together?" And there was only one out of her friend, her friend pack that had been married her whole childhood. Yeah, I don't, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but you know, I don't know. Well, we're adaptable as young people, I suppose. <laughs> yep, that's right. Kids are very resilient. So. 
nowadays they're doing the thing where they the kids stay in the same house all the time and the parents switch in and out have you heard of that yeah nesting my uh my ex-girlfriend used to do that and that was pretty good for the kids they actually did really well with it and you know they had their own room still nothing much changed for them just whatever parent was around so Worked pretty well. I imagine you have to be kind of affluent to pull that off because you'd have three houses you have to maintain. I mean, between the both your spouse and yourself. Yeah, they actually did it pretty interestingly. They shared uh, another apartment. So they had their house that the kids were in and then they had an apartment they just went back and forth from every week too. So Wow, that's super healthy. Yeah. Well, the rest of it wasn't healthy, but that, that, that worked at least. <laughs> that, part, that part was good. Right. <laughs> yeah, I've always got along with my ex-husband. People, people are like, oh, you probably hate your ex-husband. And it's like, no, nah, I mean, our marriage stuff was our marriage stuff. But I got over that. I was mad for a little while. But after that, it was just about the kids and making sure they had a healthy, happy childhood. Yeah. As long as you can get there, you know, really it all comes down to, to the kids. If they're happy, if they have happy parents and part of that is realizing, Hey, our relationship isn't working anymore, but we're going to be happier apart. So that's going to be better for the kids rather than staying together and being unhappy. Yeah, exactly. So, well, let me see here. Um, looks like you were diagnosed with depression and anxiety about seven years ago. Can you ex- give me an example of what living with that in your body is like and what your experience is like, sure. like living with those two things? Yeah, well, I've gotten a pretty good handle on the anxiety over the years. I've done a ton of therapy. I'm a huge advocate for therapy, individual group therapy, peer-to-peer support therapy. I think all of it is helpful for people. It's been really helpful for me. So I'm always, I'm always touting how good therapy is for people and how everybody should go to therapy, especially those that think they don't need therapy. They probably need it the most. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, it's been really good. That's helped me come up with a bunch of tools to kind of get control and rec mostly importantly, recognize when I'm starting to feel anxious or depressed, depressed, depressive, can't even say it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when I'm starting to feel that way, I, I was given tools to first recognize it, which is something that I felt like I never really had growing up. I knew something was wrong or I just didn't feel right or was just bummed out or whatever. And I just never really have been one to like pay attention to how my body feels or what I'm going through until I got those tools and kind of was better able to, to, you know, feel how I was feeling. Yeah, it's Um, huge. My diagnosis, I felt like before I was a wrecking ball, just kind of smashing through different experiences. And sometimes it worked out for me and sometimes it didn't. But after I got um, help, then I was able to go, oh, I recognize this feeling that I'm having. And I recognize this communication pattern that I'm getting into. And because it's not just how you feel, it's also how you think about how you feel. Yeah. And how you talk about it. Now, that's interesting. You chose wrecking ball. I usually say I was, feel like I've just been kind of floating along. Yeah. Um, <laughs> kind of the opposite of a wrecking ball, but the same kind of thing where like, it's just kind of like, I'm just floating along with life and just letting things happen to me and not really yeah. recognizing what's happening. And, um, but yeah, I got, got a bunch of help from, from that and was able to, I, like I said, I can pretty much feel when I'm feeling anxious and the anxiety is coming up and I can kind of take some time to meditate and reflect on what's going on and really think about things logically before letting my emotions or just letting that like fight or flight response take over for me. Yeah. Um, 
So I've got a pretty good handle on that these days. I still get a lot of depressive episodes that come and go. And that I've just kind of learned to accept as a part of who I am and what I deal with in life. And then when I feel I'm coming on, I make sure I'm prepared for it. And, you know, I have ice cream available and, uh, <laughs> and have a couple shows picked out to binge on and, and just let it happen and let it pass if I need to. So. What is it? Um, would you be able to put into words what it feels like to be depressed? Um, I don't know. It's really hard to actually put that into words. It's, it's just like a, an, a, a, for me, I know it's different for a lot of people and they have different ways that it comes out. But for me, I just have a hard time like getting out of bed. I, I want mm -hmm. to do things. I have daily goals and weekly goals that I swipe off of an app, but I just can't make myself get up and do them. Yeah. It's like my, my brain tells me, Oh, you need to do these things. This is going to make you feel better when I do them. But then I end up just like talking myself out of it or maybe, I don't know, maybe part of that is even just accepting that this is a part of who, who I am and what I've always dealt with that I just let it happen sometimes now instead of fighting through it. But. Yeah, I have interesting tricks that I I've learned over the years, like in to get, especially with my anxiety, because that's I mean the hardest day to day to actually function in my job is probably my anxiety. The depression is hard too, but mm -hmm. when I get anxious and it makes me totally shut down and and skip through things and hurry through things or avoid things. But one thing I do now, instead of saying I have to go to work, I say I get to go to work. Right. Because I get to go to work tricks my brain into thinking, yeah, like I could be worse. I could have not have a job or, you know, like I could be, have a job I didn't like. Right. I get, there's all these other things that could be worse. And so in, instead of thinking of I have to do this, I think I get to do this. And that kind of helps push me along. But I also take anxiety medicine because sometimes I'm not able to use the cool tricks that I've learned in therapy and other places and I need to rely on medication. Yeah, no, I understand that too. And I do the same thing. I, I say I get to go to work because there's a, a lot of times in my life where I wasn't really able to hold a job because mm -hmm. I was, I would get so depressed and I just couldn't make myself get up and go do things. Um, there's a great movie by Ricky Gervais called the invention of lying. Uh -huh. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's a really good no. show, but it, they live in this world where nobody can tell a lie. And oh wow, yeah, it's a really interesting concept. But there's one scene that really, really stuck out for me that I just love. He's walking into work, and there's a lady standing outside of the work, and she's visibly upset. And she is. Uh, he starts talking to her for a little bit, and she just goes, "I just, I just can't go in. I just." I just can't go in. You know what I mean? I just can't do it. And she's, and I'm like, Oh my God, I've never related to anybody in a movie more than this lady. Who's just, yeah. just can't make herself get up and go do it. So, um, but yeah, it was really kind of interesting. That's kind of the way I've, I've felt about a lot of things. I just, can't seem to make myself do it, even though I know I should. Yeah. A lot of people uh, equate a depression with being sad, but for me, for me, I, I don't really feel sad. I just, I stop liking the things that I normally like doing like gardening. I'll find myself not wanting to go outside. And if I'm not wanting to go outside several days in a row, then I know, okay, I'm getting depressed because this is something I really love doing. And I'm yeah. passionate about it. Makes me happy. Right. And I'm the same kind of way too. And I mean, I feel sad, but it's not like, 
I don't know. It's different than being sad about like circumstances or something yeah. like that. So it's just like a, just <laughs> more, more, yeah, more of a heaviness, more of just like, okay, I just, just want to lay in bed and watch the office for three days. <laughs> Which is totally healthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's, you know, you got your comfort shows. That's one of mine. And you, mine you too. Just... That thing got me through college when I had my first, like, yeah. well, my first major depressive <laughs> episode, but a really bad one that I had. And I, I discovered the office and I just sat in my apartment. I blew off classes. I blew off work for probably a good week didn't do anything but I was laughing and getting something out of the show which was helping my brain kind of rewire itself and it did yeah. help a lot yeah you got to have those kind of comfort comfort shows comfort movies and you know comfort foods all of that stuff just make you feel better and sometimes you just need that I mean the world is exhausting and overwhelming especially right now sometimes it's just really good to just cut off everything and laugh I like why I want to yeah. just watch something that makes me laugh. Yeah. You get on Facebook today even, and every other post is a protest about this and then an anti-protest and then people mm. are bringing their guns to it and then everyone's scared. And it's pretty, it's pretty crazy out, out there. I feel like right now. Yeah. I'm for like, sure. Am I getting depressed or is the world getting depressed? <laughs> yeah. It's exhausting. <laughs> it sure does seem like we're a little bit, we're a little bit at each other's throats right now. Yeah, it definitely gets old. I, I have to definitely take breaks from it. Every few days, I have to just not log in for a couple of days and not read everything. And just it's it's too much to handle sometimes. Mm hmm. You know, maybe that's part of of the privilege that I have as a middle aged white male where I can just shut off from all of that. But that's, well, that's cool mean, that you recognize that too. That's yeah. kind of rare. Well, I'm, I'm grateful that I have that. I mean, I know that there's others that don't have that, but you know, it's overwhelming sometimes and you just need to, to shut everything off and get away for a little bit. So when you talk, you mentioned that you've been in therapy, are there, uh, is there a specific kind of therapy that you, that you um, attended or was it just general? Uh, like, did I, you do cognitive behavioral therapy or yeah. EB, EDMR? I do. I do one-on-one -on -one therapy every week and that's mostly based around cognitive behavioral therapy. And I got into that a couple of years ago, three, four years ago and started using a lot of those tools. Um, I also am a part of a, like a peer to peer support group, um, with, with probably seven or eight other divorced men. And that was a group that my individual therapist started. Cause he, oh, he cool. yeah, he talks, he has a lot of, uh, patients that are divorced men. And then after my, I got, I first got divorced. And then after my last relationship ended, I joined that group and just kind of have, you know, some other people going through the same things to talk about things and get different perspectives on it all. And they've both been really, really helpful, but a lot of those cognitive behavioral therapy approaches has really helped me uh, individually. And that's, like I said, that's kind of what has helped me mostly get a, get a hold of my anxiety issues. Yeah. Can you describe a tool that you've learned from that? Uh, a lot of it is focusing on breath, focusing on your senses, mm -hmm. um, counting things. I'm a big counter. I don't know if I have, a, I might have some OCD tendencies. I don't think I have actual OCD. I've never been diagnosed with it, but I have a, a big affinity for counting things, counting steps. And so just little tools like that, where if I feel something coming on, I'll, I'll count certain things or count my breaths, just a way to kind of focus 
and be more in the moment rather than, than allowing myself to get ahead of whatever I'm feeling anxious about. Yeah. There's that five things you can see, four things you can touch, three right. things you can hear, two things you can smell. And I forgot what the last one is. Yeah. All those different, different senses. And that's a good thing. It's all, all it's really doing is just trying to make you focus on the moment. Cause it, they mm-hmm. say you're, I don't remember where I heard it, but somewhere someone was saying, uh, if you're depressed, you're thinking about the past. If you're anxious, you're focusing on the future too much. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of, of, getting over a lot of those feelings is just focusing on the moment. I've done a lot of meditation work over the years and trying to get a hold on that. And just being in the moment really helps with, with controlling a lot of those issues. It really does it, it, more than you can say, because you get lost in your own head and being able to come back and to, to be present and to be able to go, okay, let me take a deep breath and figure out what's really going on. Right. Because yeah, with my anxiety, it's often not what I'm actually stressing out. Not what I think I'm stressing out about. It's usually something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's usually what it is. You're really focusing on what could happen, what's going to happen, the possibilities of things. And it, it tends to get overwhelming when really you have what's going on right now and you can deal with those things as they come along. It seems to be a lot better for me, at least. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned you had a daughter. She's 11. Uh, she's 12. 12. Are you open with your mental health um, struggle with your daughter? Yeah, I am very grateful. I have a really good relationship with her. She's an awesome kid. She's super open about everything and talks to me about everything. There's lo- no topics off the table. Um, and she knows all about my diagnosis and, and knows when I'm feeling down and, and talks to me about it. And I talk to her about when she's feeling down and, um, you know, I'm really grateful to have an open relationship like that with her. Yeah, that's great. I, my kids and I have that sort of relationship too. Like sometimes they'll notice before I do if I'm getting depressed and mm-hmm. and bring it up, or like or vice versa. I'll I'll notice. Hey, you, you're been you doing these certain things that make me believe you're anxious. You know, you want to talk about it and kind of work it out and have our own little group therapy session. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we do a lot of that stuff too. And, you know, like I said, we're really open with things. We do a lot of painting together. I paint a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. And I get her, she'll, she'll join in and start painting with me sometimes. And she can always tell by what I'm painting or what I'm focusing on, how I, how I'm feeling. Cause I get a lot of how I'm feeling out that way through, Mm -hmm. through art in different ways. And she'll, uh, she, one thing she pointed out as I do, I've had a lot of heart issues over the years and that with some heartache that I've had from relationships and stuff, I, a heart, a heart tends to be a common theme that I end up painting. Mm-hmm. Um, and she pointed out to me that she thought it was interesting that whenever I paint hearts, it always has scars on it. Oh, wow. And I thought, no, you are a little more perceptive than I really thought, (laughs) you know, but yeah, she notices all that stuff. We're totally open about all that stuff. And, you know, cause that's real. And I have always figured if she's asking questions, then she's old enough to know the answers because she's thinking about whatever she's asking about. So I'm totally open and real with her about anything she asks me about. Oh yeah. And that age there, they are, there are many adults. Yeah. There's not, there's not much I won't talk to my kids about anymore. I mean, my kids are um, 18 and 16. So like you said, if they ask the question, then I'm right there with uh, ready to, ready to talk about it. Yeah. I don't really hide much 
from her at all. Um, like, you know, like I said, if she's asking the question, she's thinking about it. So I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hide the answer from her or, you know, I just figure it's best to be, to be real with her about things like that. Cause she's obviously thinking about them and dealing with them. And so she's, she's pretty open about how she's feeling about things. And I'm the same way with her. It's really good that I can be that way. That's awesome. Yeah. You mentioned that you're, um, you paint and I know that you do uh, music as well. And you're, you do comedy, well, at least to yourself on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think you're creative, like because of mental health or, or in spite of it? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I've always, you know, I've, I've had a lot of depressive episodes for as long as I can remember, but I've also been really into art, creating crafty stuff, painting all of that for as long Mm -hmm. as I can remember too. Um, makes me think of that quote from high fidelity that I don't know if you've seen that movie. It's a great book too, by Nick Hornby. Um, I don't think I have seen it. Oh, it's really, really good. Uh, he, he goes through a breakup and he, and he owns a music, uh, record store. And so, and he starts talking about how music, how, how many depressive, depressive songs there are. And, and he says, uh, do I listen to pop music because I'm miserable or am I miserable because I listen to pop music? (laughs) And that's, you know, that's the same kind of question you're asking me. It's like, I don't, I don't really know uh, (laughs) if, if, if I do that because I get depressed or, or what, but uh, it's, it's, they've kind of both always been there and I've kind of used art and music and and comedy to kind of cope with all of that yeah I noticed I do um I'm a lot more creative when I'm depressed but I think that's because I'm avoiding other things so I'm obviously putting more energy into arts and crafts and like this winter I got depressed and I made like a million different necklaces and they're hung up all over the place like I'll never be able to wear all of this jewelry that I made <laughs> but <laughs> but I have it because I got yeah. I just didn't want to do anything else there was a good month or so that that's all I did all day is just you know I worked too but mostly worked and then made jewelry and went to bed and did it all again the next day yeah and I'm the same kind of way too I'll use it if I'm feeling depressed I'll get really into painting and I'll go you know I work graveyards so when I'm not working I am up all night and usually alone in the dark listening to music painting or something like that and I'll go for long long periods do like 10 12 hour sessions of of just painting or playing guitar through headphones or whatever it is that I'm into I I find that when I'm depressed I, I have a hard time getting started Mm-hmm. like making myself get going on a, a project or whatever. But then once I get started, then I'm, I get fully into the flow of things. And that's when it almost becomes like a meditative state where it brings me almost into the moment of, of focusing on that so much that I kind of use it to, to escape from everything else that's bothering me. Yeah, me too. Even with the making jewelry, like those beads are so small and I've got this little piece of wire and I've got to get it through this tiny little hole and do that a bunch of times. <laughs> it takes like maybe 10 minutes to design it and then another hour to put it together. And But the the act of doing that and painting, especially because painting with the detail work, you it's like you can't focus on anything else because it's right. tiny and you got your paintbrush, your little paintbrush and you're trying to make this little tiny mark and so much focus and effort goes into that. At least it does for me. I'm not that great of a painter though. (laughs) Well, neither am I, but I still like, I still like to do it. It's just one of those things. Art's all subjective anyway, but yeah, Yeah, it really, it really helps you get into the, 
into the flow. Once you, once you get into it and get going, then it does, you're kind of forced to be in the moment. So I've definitely used it to kind of, you know, pull myself away from, from focusing on being depressed or anxiety or anything like that. Speaking of which, um, this is a while ago now, but you shared a picture of Vincent Van Gogh like shooting himself in the head and out the other side came a bunch of sunflowers. Right. And I, when I saw that picture, I, I, I first I was like, oh, this is this is bad or no, it's good. Like, I can't decide if I like it or I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then, I mean, ultimately I decided I liked it. And then I, and it made me research um, Van Gogh because I wanted to know if he, if he painted it, which I don't think he did because no. I wasn't able to find it. But then I learned he um, was uh, plagued by psychiatric illness throughout his whole entire life and I ended up committing suicide. So it, it led me down this little rabbit hole of discovery about Vincent Van Gogh and, and also considering suicide. And I mean, uh, and then you asked, I think you elicited in the, in the, in your, um, post asking how people were doing. Yeah. And, and I answered how I was doing at the time I was kind of depressed. And so it was a really good experience overall that I didn't know how I felt about until later. <laughs> yeah. I love that painting. I don't know who the artist is, so I, I couldn't credit them. I just found it somewhere online. Um, but I absolutely loved it. It's that Van Gogh style and it was him shooting himself in the head on the other side with the flowers coming out and something about it just grabbed my attention because mm -hmm. it, I mean, it was a, an obvious picture of someone committing suicide, which is a little bit jarring, but then seeing all the beautiful flowers come out of it, there was just so this juxtaposition of the two different things, this kind of really heavy suicide idea, but then also these beautiful things coming out of it. I just fell in love with that painting immediately. Yeah. And you had like a, a lot of people comment on it and like yeah. the picture and talk about their own mental health struggle, which I thought was kind of beautiful. Right. And when I saw it, I saved it on my phone and I thought, oh, I'm definitely going to post this at some point when I have a thought that seems to go with it. And I was just starting to feel an episode where I was starting to feel down and overwhelmed with everything. And so I posted the picture and posted about how I was starting to feel down and, and, I could feel it coming on and wanted to just see who else out there was feeling the same way. Cause that's always something that seems to help me is when, when I get in touch with people who I know are dealing with a lot of the same things and it's good to talk about it with people and hear how others are doing. And I wanted to know who else was feeling that same way. And interestingly enough, there was a lot of people out there feeling the same way who started commenting and telling me how they're feeling and people reached out through direct messages and, and we started talking and just kind of empathizing with each other and everything that's going on. Yeah. You're really open with your mental health uh, struggle online, which I am also. So when I see so, someone else who is, I'm always really happy about that because it's not, it's so stigmatized uh, yeah. out there. And, and if just to have other people give people an opportunity to talk about it or to just be a voyeur and read the comments on it, especially in the thread like that one, that's, that got so many comments. It's really good. It's healthy for people, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's important to be open with it. Like you said, just because of the stigma, especially with men, I think a lot of men really, mm -hmm. really hold back on how they're feeling. And that's, you know, maybe that's a generational thing or whatever, but uh, I, I feel like it's really important to talk about it and make it less of a stigma. And it's important to know you're not alone. I mean, every time I've, I've started to feel, feel crappy, I've, I, and I reach out and I get other people commenting back or reaching out to me in a private message. And 
and it just, you feel better. You, it's good to just talk out how you're feeling and then know that you're not alone and there's other people dealing with everything in this overwhelming world that we live in. And it's, it's Mm -hmm. good to know you're not alone. And it's good to get that feeling back when you realize that you're helping people too, just by being open and talking about it. I mean, that, that also helps me feel better. So. Yeah, I definitely felt like I was contributing to something. I'm commenting on it. A lot of times you just mindlessly scroll through Facebook and we'll leave a comment here and there. And it's kind of like, whatever. But then I post like that. When I comment, I feel like this was productive. This was good. Right. It ends up being a good conversation. I, I mostly these days, I try to avoid, you know, political or religious discussions. Every now and again, I'll get into it when I need to lose a couple of followers to yeah. <laughs> to make, make room for some new people. But uh, most of the time I try to just post, you know, crappy jokes and, and, and arts art and music stuff. Um, but every now and again, I'd like to post something like that and just to get a conversation going. That's the kind of stuff I like to talk about. And I think it really does help people and it definitely helps me. So, yeah. Um, on the related topic, um, you made a short film that just depicts your struggle with mental health. I'm wondering if you'll talk, um, talk about that a little. Yeah, I did. Uh, it's called instrumental illness and, it was, I made it a little over a year ago. I was in a really bad place in, in my struggles and just got tired of everything and decided that I was going to use my phone for something besides a Facebook machine. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, I deleted all the games off my phone and only had creative apps. And so I started making music on just my phone with the, GarageBand app mm-hmm. and made a couple songs on that that were really cool. And it was done completely on the app, which I thought was pretty neat. And then I started getting into putting some kind of visual with the music because I feel like it's really hard to get people to just listen to music these days. Yeah, They, they get more excited about things if there's also a visual to go along with it. And so I started kind of messing around with the movie editing app that I had and came up with this concept to, for an instrumental song that I had. And um, that was actually just played on the big screen here in Boise for the uh, Colossal Cinematic Film Showcase just this last weekend. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was super cool to go to that and see it played on the big screen with a couple other short films and turned out really good. I got a great response from people with it. And I was just, you know, just trying to get into the flow and, and avoid (laughs) being super depressed and making myself create something rather than just, you know, waste my time you know, watching TV or, or something like that. I feel like I wanted to make something out of it and that's what I came up with. And it was cool to get a good response like that. And I've gotten great feedback from people about it. And yeah. yeah it was, you're kind of like super meta in the video because you've got this, a song that you wrote and then you have a painting that you made mm-hmm. and then, you know, the video, the, the you have things in there about mental health, like depiction of pills and in a jar, not a jar in a, I can't remember what you had them in, but then it's really, you kind of have to watch it when you start watching it. It's like, usually I'll start watching stuff and I lose, lose attention, you know, after a couple of seconds, I'm like, okay, that was nice. But I watched the whole thing. It was pretty good. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah. And it was all about, I mean, it was basically about where I was at, I, the paintings that are in it. You get quick glances of, of paintings, uh, that I did around the time that are kind of dark and, 
uh, I, at the time I was taking a lot of medications for, I've had a lot of heart issues over the years that I've had to deal with. And then I was taking medication for, for depression and taking medication for anxiety. And so every day I took this huge handful of pills and, uh, that's depicted in the movie. And I was just kind of tired of everything in life at the time. Um, so yeah, and it all just kind of came out in that way. And it was all in a creative experiment just to see what would happen if I positioned the camera this way, or if I tried to stop motion type film this way, and it kind of came out cooler than I expected to actually. It doesn't look like your first film. That's for sure. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It was the first one I ever tried to do. I've, I've got a couple other things in the works. I'm kind of doing the same things with, and I have tons of music that I've recorded over the years. I recorded five or six solo albums back in my twenties and wow. have just, uh, tried to come up with more visual things to put with the music just to get it out there just because i mean it's just sitting on a hard drive now i might as well put it out there for a couple people to listen to and see here and there so yeah must feel good getting all this stuff out there yeah might as well yeah do you have any advice for someone who was recently diagnosed with a mental illness or perhaps um, suspects they might have one but hasn't explored treatment um, well, I mean, I feel like it's really important to be open about what we're all dealing with. Uh, when I started being open online with what I was dealing with and, and depression and, you know, the first time I started taking, um, taking medication for it, I posted about it online and I had a lot of people reach out to me and people that I didn't even realize and family members even, reached out to me and like, Hey, I'm dealing with the same kind of thing. So I think it's really important to be open about it. Get rid of that stigma. Mm-hmm. Let you know that you're not alone. Um, and communicating those issues is important to help ourselves, to help others. Um, just knowing that we're not alone with it. But then, like I said, I'm a big advocate for therapy. I think individual therapy is really important. It's great to have a third party kind of look at things and, and give you advice without any kind of emotional connection to you. So that's also another thing that's been really helpful for me. So I'd recommend all of that to anybody. That's awesome. And I like you, how you talked about um, how, how hard it is for men to talk about the mental health and the importance of them having a platform to do that. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I, I see a lot more women posting about those kind of those kind of issues that they're dealing with. I'm not sure why. I think it's just been a societal thing for for um, you know different generations where men are taught to be more stoic and just you know be there to to provide and and do what they're supposed to do and not be emotional about things. But that's not the way that we really are. And so <laughs> I yeah. feel, feel like it's important to be, to be real about that. And, uh, and like I said, I'm in that one men's group where it's, it's great to have other people to reach out, out with and, and be real about our issues. And I have some really good close friends. Um, like my friend, uh, Jerry and I, we get together every week to play music together and, before we play, we get tacos and we just sit there and talk about our relationships and how we're feeling. And it's been really, really good for, for both of us just to be that open and have, have another man to talk about all these issues that you're dealing with and what it's like to, you know, to be a man in society today. It's really different than it was for our parents, I think so. Oh yeah. Way different, especially nowadays. 
Yeah. I mean, there's a, the whole, a whole huge issue that men have to deal with. And, and I know thing there's other, you know, other people that are dealing with things that are a lot different, but I kind of have to tread carefully as a man these days, but I still feel like it's really important to be open about how we're feeling about things. Yeah. For sure. I feel like it's true. I mean, as a peer support specialist, I'd say in the last four years, I've maybe had three male clients Mm -hmm. and, you know, 20 female clients. So it's, it's pretty, and it's not because the men don't want to see the women or anything like that. It's just, we don't get that many males seeking um, peer support. Yeah. I think, well, like, like we were saying, there's a stigma for everybody, but there's more of a stigma for men. Like we're not, we're taught to, you know, man up and, and, uh, just be stoic about issues and, and not really be emotional about things. And, and it's better if you can be more open and real about that stuff. Absolutely. Well, do you have anything else to add? Um, no, I mean, I, I, uh, I really appreciate what you're doing. I thank you for, for having me and communicating with me. I, like I said, I think it's important to talk about this kind of stuff and I love your podcast. I've listened to every episode of it so far. And Oh, nice. Hooray. I'm I'm honored to be on it. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me about it. Well, thank you, Landon. I appreciate it. You have a good night. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Shannon. Oh, bye. Bye.